for that. Take your Bibles this morning and find uh, Romans chapter number 5. I almost said Revelation, but I'd be in trouble there. That's not where I studied. Uh, but Romans chapter number 5 this morning. We're going to finish out this chapter we started um, started preaching through this chapter last week, and I mentioned how it had been back from back before Christmas. Uh, I had started preaching through the book of Romans and just hadn't, uh, the Lord had just led me in different directions through the month of December, but uh, uh, Romans is a wonderful book, and uh, they're all wonderful books, but I love the book of Romans, and, um, and so we're going to look here. We preached on the first 11 verses here in Romans chapter 5 last Sunday morning, and we're going to finish this chapter out here today. Uh, if you found your place in Romans 5, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God, and we'll get into the message this morning. Look in verse number 12, and uh, verse number 12 of Romans chapter number 5, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore... As by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I so thank you for the day that you have blessed us with. I thank you for the song so far, God. How they blessed my heart, Father. I pray, God, that you would help us today, God. Thank you for everyone that has come out our way this morning, God, to be in the house of the Lord. I thank you for those who may be listening online, Father. I pray, God, that you would help us today, though. I pray that you would help me as I preach your word. God, I pray that I would just be a hollow vessel, God, through which you could speak your word today. 
today. God, we so desperately need your help today, Father, in this hour. And God, I pray that you would help us for just a little while, God. I pray that you would save that one that may be lost. I pray that you would help that one that's out of fellowship with you, God, to come back into that fellowship, Father. Help us all today, Father. You know our need. And God, I'm praying that you would meet those needs today, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing uh, today for the reading of the Word of God. Now these ten verses that I've just read to you are considered by many people to be the most theologically rich in all of Scripture. And uh, sure, you could take every bit of what I just read and sum it all up into one, uh, one phrase, and here it is. One man sold us all into sin, and Jesus Christ reversed it. That's how it is. We were cursed because of the disobedience of Adam, and yet the curse was reversed by what the Bible calls the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And so uh, they, these verses certainly sum up Paul's message to this point in his letter to the Romans. We, uh, this portion of Romans here begins to provide answers for questions like, why do people die? Why do babies die sometimes? And how could one man who died thousands of years ago have such an impact on the history of mankind. Well, it's all here in Romans chapter number five. And Paul has, has up to this point told us that we were all in sin. He starts out his message here and starts uh, talking about how rituals don't save us and work doesn't save us and uh, the religion that a lot of people have does not save us and, and that it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it's, it's only through faith in Jesus. Some people ask, well, preacher, how did the Old Testament saints get saved? Well, the Bible's clear on it. They were saved by faith. In Jesus Christ, they're saved the same way we are today. And uh, that, if you ever want to uh, want to do a Bible study on that, go to Hebrews chapter number 11 and go to Romans chapter number 4. We preached through Romans chapter number 4 not long ago. But uh, uh, I get that question all the time. And uh, most of it is is because you've got preachers out here and you've got commentary writers that are saying things. I, I just saw this on Facebook the other day. This guy was reading through a study Bible and, and he took a picture of it and put it up and he said... I don't know about this. What do you guys think? And it was a very prominent preacher, a very prominent pastor. He's, he's gone uh, now. He's passed away, passed away several years ago. But, but he taught a lot of people, and a lot of people <clears throat> really look up to him uh, for their teaching of Scripture. But, honey, uh, my advice to all of us today would be never look to anyone more than God on God's Word. And so this was a problem. He took a snapshot of this commentary in the study Bible and it said that, that, uh, uh, that the Old Testament saints were saved by works and by faith. And he said, that just doesn't sound right to me. And uh, he took a picture of it and I commented on it. And I said, well, sir, I said, Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 11 would disagree with your commentary writers. So I would look to the Bible before I would take what he said to be the truth. And so uh, the, we need to understand those things. Uh, they were saved the same way we are saved, and that is by grace through faith. And so uh, we, we've gotten up to that point, and so now Paul is really, uh, he's really sealing in the point here in Romans chapter number 5 of, yes, we are all in sin, yes, we are all in ruin, but 
there is redemption. And it's through Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. I want to preach on the thought of from ruin to redemption. And that's what we're talking about in these verses, these ten verses. <coughs> Paul uses two characters here to illustrate how we obtain deliverance from sin. It's two people. It's Adam and Jesus. He's illustrating in Adam we all sin in Christ Christ saves us. And so they both acted on man's behalf. Adam sinned for us. Think about this now. Adam sinned for us and Jesus died for us. Okay? Martin Luther said this, There are but two men, Adam and Christ, and all other men hang at their girdles. What does he mean by that? Well, he means there's only two men and you're associated with one or the other. Is it in Adam we all die, in Christ we live. And so I want you to notice in verse number 12, uh, the first, uh, first point today, I want you to notice the root of sin. And uh, we have our identity in either Adam or in Christ. If you're not in Christ, then you're in Adam. Yes. And so let's look at the root of sin here in verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Now I want you to notice that word entered. Sin did not begin with Adam. Right? We talked about that last week, uh, uh, talking about Satan, but uh, or maybe it was the week before that. Uh, yes, it wasn't last week, it was the week before that, talking about Satan. Uh, sin did not begin with Adam, but however, sin did enter into the human race by Adam. Sin had entered into the world through Satan, but it entered into the human race by Adam. We need to understand that in Hebrew... The word Adam means mankind. And when Adam chose to deliberately disobey God, sin entered into mankind. It entered into the human race. And since we are all descended from Adam, we have all inherited that sinful nature. Now, uh, <clears throat> sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. The Apostle Paul is saying here that the presence of sin in the world can be traced all the way back to the very beginning of man, to the first man, Adam, specifically to one act that Adam did. Now what was that one act? Well, he ate a piece of fruit. Yeah, at least that's all it seemed like on the outside now. He ate a piece of fruit. The world today would say, well, good Lord, what was wrong with that? The man was hungry. He ate a piece of fruit, right? Not quite. It's a little bit deeper than that, but, but that was the real problem. You know so much of what we see today, and me and Brother Jake Easter talked about this. We recorded some podcast episodes last week, and we talked about this. A lot of what we see today is a symptom of a bigger problem. Let me illustrate it like this. In the church, the problems we see in church... For example, you know, and thank God, it's like I told the men yesterday, we, 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 God has been gracious to us here. He's been gracious to me here. We've not had any trouble here since I've been around. I thank God for that. But listen to me, in a lot of churches, that's not how it works. You've got people that are butting heads with each other. You've got people that are backbiting. You've got people that are, well, 
you know, talk, talking about the preacher. You got people out here sowing discord among the brethren. And by the way, God says he, uh, he hates that. He calls it an, an abomination. But let me tell you something. All of those things are merely a symptom of a bigger problem. What's the bigger problem, preacher? Well, you either got people in church that ain't never been saved or they need to get right with God. And they need to start reading their Bible and praying and get some spiritual maturity about themselves. And so uh, that's the root of the problem. Okay, out in the world, we see everything that's going on in our society today. And besides what man says, I'll go ahead and tell you this. Uh, man likes to think and evolution likes to teach that mankind is getting better and better. We are evolving into a higher species. No, we are, uh, we are greatly, uh, we, are, we are unraveling as a society. Man is not becoming a higher species. I, I listened to a TED Talks from a guy the other day, and uh, he literally said this. He said, we are at the point with using artificial intelligence and, the, and the, the knowledge that man has. He said, we are at the point. Y'all listen to me when I say this. This is crazy stuff. He said, we are now at the point where we are becoming greater than God. Here's what he said. This is how he explained it. He said in the Bible and what Christians believe, he said God always only created organic things. He said, no, I don't believe this. He said, but the Christians and people believe that God created everything. He said, but when you read through the Bible and you look through the Bible, he said, we find that God only created organic matter. He said, in other words, he did create a human in other words, he did create trees. He, he, he created land and he created water and he created all these things they believe. He said, well, we have excelled beyond that. He said, not only can we recreate human life as humans now, he said, but we can also create mechanical life. And so in his mind, he says, we have become greater than God. He said, as a matter of fact, in the, in the, in the coming years, he says that, that we will be able to use artificial intelligence and we will be able to create uh, prosthetics and different, and, and they're already out there. He said that we will be able to augment our bodies and make them better than what God did. No, we won't. What happened when mankind decided in the book of Genesis that they were going to build a tower to reach God? I'm telling you, God will not allow that to happen. God will not allow a lot of the things that are being thrown around and researched today. He will not allow them to happen. He, I, 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 am fully, I am fully believing He'll come back before any of that ever happens. They are doing things, I, I'm telling you, they are doing things in science and research that is absolutely scary. Man is trying his best to play the role of God and, that even, and, and they have this complex that they're going to be better than God, but it will never happen. They believe mankind is evolving into this great, uh, great, this massive, uh, just higher level being. But honey, no, you look around and you look around at society. What we're really doing is unraveling. The technology that we have, mm, I tell you, 
And I love technology. I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. Always been like that. Always will be that way. I love it. But it scares me. Some of it does. And so here's the thing. We are not evolving. We are devolving as a society. I mean, look on the other hand. People can't even decide what a man is and what a woman is anymore. They want to devolve into non-binary, they call it. And I'm like, look, y'all, even computers have to have a one or a zero to operate. You say what you want. Even that battery's got to have a positive terminal and a negative terminal. And that's what I talked about last Wednesday in a Bible study. The positive is only positive because the negative is so negative. You know? Let me just say it this way. The reason heaven is looking so good is because the world is looking so bad. And so here's the thing. We are not evolving as a society. We're getting worse and worse and worse. And literally the Bible is unfolding right before our eyes today. And so what happened to Adam? What did he do? He ate a piece of fruit. But what was the root What was the main problem? What was the root of what he did? He disobeyed God. He disobeyed God. If you know the story, it's told in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, you know that God said to Adam that he could eat of of the tree uh, or he could eat of the fruit off any tree in the garden. And you know what? I don't know how many trees were in that garden, but there had to be thousands of them, I'm sure. God said you can eat any of them but one. And so here's the thing and here's the deeper problem. It even goes deeper than that. It even goes deeper than disobedience. Satan tempted Eve. You think about this. God had told Adam that if he eat of that one tree, he would surely die. But Satan tempted Eve saying that if she would eat uh, the fruit, her eyes would be opened. Don't forget this. And she would become like God. The temptation that Adam and Eve dealt with was this temptation to overthrow God's authority. God had created them. God, as their creator, had a right to set boundaries for them. But they transgressed God's boundary in an attempt to become like God. And guess what? It's still happening today. Everywhere. I find it amazing. A lot of the televangelists and a lot of the guys like, uh, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just say it like Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland and that whole movement that they've got going on. They all believe in what used to be called little God's theology. They believe we're all They used to call it little gods, but Jesse Duplantis, as of Christmas, is now saying that he is God. I'm sorry, man. Have you ever read Genesis 2 and 3? That was the problem. It wasn't just eating a piece of fruit. It wasn't just disobeying God. It was temptation to become like God. That's what the Bible says. So number two, we see the root of sin. We see the origin of sin in mankind. But number two this morning, we see the results of sin. What is the result of sin? Well, it's in 
chapter, it's chapter number 5, verse number 12, and i got to move on. I ain't going to get through this chapter here. But uh, anyways, the Bible says, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Death by sin. What is the result of sin? It is death. Desiring to be like God, Adam disobeyed and ate the forbidden fruit, and through one man, sin entered into the world, and the death that God promised also became a reality. It became a reality for every single one of us. Paul tells the Romans that he's, that he's writing to in chapter number 6, verse number 23, that the wages of sin is death. In God's economy, death and sin go hand in hand. It's I'm, I, it doesn't seem fair, does it? Adam sins and we all become sinners. Right? How does that work? Well, it works this way. Adam is our common father. He represents all of mankind. He represents all of his posterity. He acts on our behalf. Much like a father acts on the behalf of his children. Think about it that way. When he sinned, even though we didn't literally participate in the sin with him, we all became sinners because the whole race was in him. And he represents every one of us. And because we're all sinners, we're all going to die a physical death. And that fact brings us to point three this morning. The reality of sin. We got the root of sin. We got the result of sin. But now we got the reality. What's the reality, preacher? Verse number 12. Death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Notice the tense of that statement. All have sinned. Y'all know your grammar this morning. That's past tense. We all have sinned. In the context, it's still talking about Adam here. What Paul is saying is that when Adam sinned, we sinned. It's backing up the statement I just made just a moment ago. But the, uh, when Adam fell, we fell. When Adam died spiritually, we all died spiritually. Paul is driving the fact home that we are born with a nature to sin. It's not something we have to develop. It's, uh, it's something that we already have when we arrive in planet earth. Ray Stedman quoted this from a, from a, um, report from the Minnesota Crime Commission. It perfectly illustrates this truth. This is what that report said. Every babe starts life as a little savage. Well, that's a good way to start out, ain't it? He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toy, his uncle's watch. Deny him these wants and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous. You think about it. I ain't never thought about this until I, I was reading up on this. He says... Deny him these wants and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, are born delinquent. If permitted to continue... Oh, y'all listen to this. If permitted to continue in the self-centered world of his infancy, 
given free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. I know I ain't making friends with none of that. But it is true. You want to know why our society is getting worse and worse? We have, oh, Lord, help me. We have children that are being raised with the exact same concepts they had in their infancy. That's why, oh, Lord. Sometimes I die a little bit on the inside. When certain things are said, when the Lord tells, I mean, I get a nudge to say them. Y'all don't understand unless you preach. There's a battle going on up here. It's why we got the society we do. It was never intended for a parent to raise a child by giving them every want constantly their entire life. That's why they have no respect for authority anymore. That's why they could care less about their fellow man. That's why the crime is the way that it is. That's why people don't regard anyone else around them. Why is it? Because they've been raised giving, they've been raised being pacified of everything they have ever wanted. That is not. I've told my son before, because he gets mad at me on a regular basis. <laughs> but I told him, I said, son, you are my son. God has given you to me and has given me the responsibility to raise you. I love you. I want to be your friend. But before I am your best friend, I am your father. And I cannot give you everything you want. Especially when it's not good for you. That's where the world has got it upside down. All the Oh, Lord, help me. All the parents want to be best friends with their children. And that is not how we are supposed to be. Thank God if you can be the best friend to your child. Don't hear me wrong. I want my son... I want us to have a relationship where when he's in trouble, he can call me instead of being scared to death of me. See, we're supposed to mirror God. As Christians, we are to be Christ-like. And so, when I get in trouble, (laughs) you know who I talk to first? I call my Heavenly Father. That's a message for another time. I'm almost I got three more points. Anyways... But we're not called to be best friends to our children. We're called, we have a responsibility to raise them. And what's going on today is they're not being raised. And look at how people are turning out. What a truth. What a truth this morning. That's a truth that's not easy to talk about. We're not sinners because we sin. Y'all remember this if you remember anything. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. That's why the baby is is the way the babies are. I like that report. They are savages. (laughs) They are. 
I don't know about I, uh, little, little Eli, though. He always seems cool. I don't know. Okay, I'm getting an eye on that. So he's not always cool at home then. But he usually sleeps as soon as I start preaching. So every time I see little Eli, he's snoozing and just looks like he's like the perfect baby. But you know what? I know better. He's a little savage. He's just like I was when I was a baby. He's just like his mama was when she was a baby. He's just like you were when you was a baby. Because why? We are born in sin. We sin because we have a sin nature. Earlier in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul said this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so number four this morning. Number four, we see the reign of sin. Look in verse 13 and 14. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. There we go. It says, sin reigns over us, even though we weren't there to hold the fruit with him. That's what he's talking about there. So Paul goes back to before the law to prove his point. He has already proven that men were not saved by the law. And here he adds that breaking the law is not what brings death. He says death reigned from Adam to Moses. You know why he says Adam to Moses? There was no law between Adam and Moses. Y'all remember Moses? God used Moses to bring the law. So Paul's very specific here. Remember, I've always told y'all when the Bible says something, it means there's something. There's something there. And so when, when Paul here is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he, he says he's moved to write, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Oh man, I could preach two more messages just in this verse. But listen, he says here that death reigned from Adam to Moses. There was no law, but yet there was still death. Why? Because sin brought forth death. Mm. Let's move on. You can get into some really deep theology in that verse, but i got to move on. I'm heading somewhere here. Look in verse number 15. We find the rescue for sin in verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. There's something, let me tell you this morning, there is something even more powerful than the disobedience of Adam and the resulting curse of sin. And that thing is the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of Jesus which has abounded to many. I'm telling you, up until this point, it's all been kind of doom and gloom, right? It really has. But now, we see in contrast to Adam, Jesus is the deliverer of the doomed. Adam brought guilt, but Jesus brought grace. And so, uh, the contrast between the first Adam and the last Adam must not be missed. Everything we lost in the first Adam has been regained by the last Adam. Everything Adam, the first Adam, gave away in the garden, Jesus purchased back on the cross. 
Verse 15 tells us that what Jesus did was much more than what Adam did. Much more. You see, Adam sinned one sin. Y'all think about this. Adam sinned one sin and it brought death to all men. Jesus died one death and it brought the possibility of life to everyone. In a real mysterious sense, when Jesus died on the cross, His blood paid for all the sins of all the men who have ever or will ever live. That's Bible. But preacher, uh, we're not all saved. No, we're not. No, people have... That's what I was talking about. The love of God. I believe it was on Wednesday... It was this past Wednesday preaching on this amazing salvation. I said it's an amazing thing that God would send His Son to die on the cross for all men even when He knew who would reject Him. It's an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. This contrast keeps carrying over to verse number 16. Look at it with me. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses under justification. Adam's was one offense that brought judgment and condemnation to man. However, God's grace exceeds and abounds to many offenses. You think about this. Have you ever just sinned one time in your life? No. I sinned a whole lot. Did I say that? (laughs) Well, go ahead and say amen. Come on. As my pastor used to say, go ahead and take your halos off and put them underneath you and say amen to me. Because it's the truth. We're in a body of flesh and the flesh wars against the Wars against the Spirit. The Bible tells us that it wars against the Spirit. So uh, Paul wrote in Romans 7, we'll preach on it one of these days, uh, uh, how the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I I don't want to do, I seem to do. Why is that? Because there's a war inside of us. But let me tell you, before I got saved, I didn't just lie one time, I lied a whole lot. I didn't disrespect mom and dad one time, I disrespected them a whole lot. Now, thankfully, I never murdered anybody. And I certainly didn't murder a whole lot. But here's the point. The point is, many offenses. So, Adam sinned once, and many people, all people, were sold into sin. Jesus died once and covered many offenses. That's the point. That's the contrast. And so Adam brought eternal death. Grace brings eternal life. Look in verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Hey, it is staggering to think how completely death has reigned under Adam. Everyone who is born dies. Right? The mortality rate of mankind is what? A hundred percent. Nobody survives it. You don't. I've heard it it said that, well, you know, uh, if I go by the grave or go by the rapture, that's true, but guess what? Your body still dies. Hundred percent mortality rate. Hundred percent. 
Nobody survives. When a baby is born, it isn't a question of whether that baby will live or die. It most certainly will die one day. The only question is when. When is it going to die? I could stop right there and preach on abortion for a while, but I'm not. When we think of this world as the land of the living, it's really not. It's the land of the dying. Why? Because we're all going to die. The billions of human bodies buried in this earth over the centuries proves it. You ever seen all them? I, I mean, you just think about that. You seen, uh, y'all ever seen the catacombs over underneath, uh, oh, where is it? Paris? Uh, I can't remember. You've got catacombs. You've got parts of those tunnels underneath there that's never even been explored by man because they can't get to them. And you know what they are? They're all full of skeletons. People that have died. Why? Because at the time they had nowhere to put them. We all die. That's the point. That's the point. But listen to me, Paul says that the reign of life through Jesus is much more certain. Y'all get a hold of that? If you didn't, please go home and think about it. We have a 100% mortality rate. When we're born, one of these days we're going to die. But Paul says that the reign of life through Jesus is much more certain than your death. Okay, let's go back. Look, verse 17. I'll take five more minutes here. Y'all don't hate me. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. He's literally telling us that we have a much more certainty of eternal life if you are saved than you have of dying today. And we're all going to die. Okay, y'all, okay, I got to go. But anyways, in Adam, our life is one of hopelessness and of bondage. But when we are in Christ, we reign with Him and He reigns over death. He told us in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And Paul comes in here under the inspiration of Scripture or inspiration of the Holy Ghost and says, hey, you want to know as a child of God what is more certain, much more certain than your death? It is your eternal life through Jesus Christ. Oh, you ought to walk out of here high-stepping today if you're a child of God. Yeah, it's one of them moments when I know I can't, but I'd love to charge hell with a squirt gun. Yes, it's a good thing. That's what he's telling us here. So let's look on in verse 18 and 19. I've so got to hurry up. You won't never come back. Here's the thing. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall be made righteous. Y'all ever want to know when I preach, I repeat things over and over and over and over again. Paul did it. 
Oh, you look in your Bibles. That's what this whole chapter he keeps. He he is like he is nailing the head until you understand what he is talking about. And it wasn't just Paul, by the way. It was God doing it. It was God inspired him to write it. Inspired him. He moved him to write this word which we have today. And so it's not even Paul saying it really. It's, it's God telling us. And so here's the thing. Paul, he's repeating the point here to make sure we all understand it. All died in Adam. All can live in Jesus and be right with God. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. It doesn't matter uh, what you've done. Uh, We can never fall so low. The grace of God cannot save us. Look at verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. You think about it, what's the law do? The law puts a light on what you have done wrong. The law says that you are a sinner. The law condemns and it can't do anything but condemn. But you know what the law in the Bible did for us? It pointed us to Jesus Christ. You know why? Because we can't keep the law. There's no way I can keep the law. I can't live a perfect life. You'd have to live a perfect life if you kept the law. And I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. The only one that is perfect that has ever been on this earth is Jesus Christ. That's why He was the sacrifice for our sin. And so, here we go. We see the phrase, much more abound. You think about this, it says more of the law entered that the offense might abound. The law shines a light on the offenses. The law tells you that you're a sinner. The law tells you that you are condemned. But look at what it says. But where sin abounded, grace did... Oh, here it is again. Did much more abound. The phrase much more abound carries this idea. Y'all listen to this. Super abounding... It means to surpass by far, exceed immeasurably, to overflow beyond. Much more abound. Oh yeah, we had a whole lot of sin. But His grace is far greater than our sin ever was. If grace superabounds over sin, then we know it is impossible to out-sin the grace of God. Oh, the devil will make you feel like that. The devil's making millions of people feel like they're not good enough to be saved. But honey, let me tell you, grace can cover a multitude of sins. We can't sin more than God can forgive, but we can reject that forgiveness. And we can reject that grace. Look in verse number 21. It says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. When we started today, death was reigning. But now as we conclude, we find that grace is reigning. So sin reigns over mankind in the ugliest and most destructive way you can imagine. But the abounding grace of God reigns through righteousness. Psalm chapter 23, verse 3 says this, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Let me tell you something, folks. Life isn't just breathing. Life is knowing God and living an eternal relationship with Him. That's life. 
John chapter 17, verse 3 actually says, This is life eternal, that we might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. You want to know what real life is? It's knowing God and knowing Jesus. This is important. A lot of people believe in God. But let me tell you, the devil believes in God too. The angels of hell believe in God. The demons believe in God. The Bible says that they believe in God and tremble. What a contrast to man. Man has no fear of God, it seems. But even the devil and his demons believe in God. Here's what I'm trying to say. To just believe in God... To just believe in God, you can know that book from cover to cover, but if you never have faith in Jesus Christ and the work that Jesus has done for you on the cross, and you won't go to heaven. If just believing in God saved you, please don't misunderstand me. The devil would still be in heaven in a right relationship with God. You cannot take faith out of the picture. Talking to somebody right now. They believe in God, but they ain't never been saved. Well, what about that preacher? Well, if that person dies without getting saved, they're going to go to hell believing in God. See, chapter 17 of verse 3 of John says, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We got people out here that believe in God. You go talk to an Orthodox Jew, you can talk to them about God all day long, but the minute you mention Jesus Christ, you're going to be on the run probably. Why? Because they believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. They believe Jesus was a man, that he was a teacher, that he was smart, that he was a good guy. They don't believe He was the Messiah, though. But let me tell you, if you miss Jesus, you miss all of it. In Adam, we all die. But for those who are in Jesus today, they'll be made alive. All throughout this passage, please understand, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Christ. If you miss Jesus, you've missed all 